Welcome to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. We hope you enjoyed the upcoming podcast and hope this time is empowering, inspiring, and helpful as you pursue the dream God has put in your heart. The participants of this podcast are not attorneys, and this recording is not to be considered legal advice. Please contact your local attorney's office where needed. Enjoy today's podcast. So, Raul, today we're talking about uh, board members and board meetings. It's the beginning of the year. A lot of churches are getting started at this beginning, and they're formulating their boards. Or a lot of pastors that have been started are trying to figure out how to work with the board they have and what board meetings do they need to have this year. So I thought I'd I'd get you in here and we'd just talk a little bit about about board meetings. First off, so let's let's high, high, high center on this. What are board members? What are the board of directors for people that don't know? Yeah, in essence, if we were to bring it down to the simplest definition, it is the group of people that form a body that governs the affairs of the church. And then you can define that to say board members govern the legal and administrative side, while the pastor and the pastor's pastoral staff would govern the spiritual aspects of the church. But at the end of the day, it's the board members who will be responsible for all the legal things that happen. And thankfully, all 50 states have indemnity laws where if board members make decisions and they're documented correctly, board meetings are, 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 are uh, take place and they're documented correctly, then there's indemnity that they can't personally get in trouble yeah. for if for any tax liability that could incur if a mistake is made. But it's super important to document it because if you don't put it in writing, it never happens. It's probably why we hear anecdotally all the time say, I want to make sure my legal board is set up right. A lot of times right. they have good pastors and deacons, That's right. but they're saying, can you give us instruction about our legal board? Um, a board insinuates that it's more than one person. So right. we get the, the question a lot, how many people should I have on my board? Love to know your recommendation. Yeah, well, the, it's, I always recommend it be an odd number so that you never have a tie, right? And to me, the best board is five people. Any board above five gets too big. I've heard like 15, 70. You've heard those boards yeah, that are like, I've oh my gosh, that. it's half the church. I remember one time uh, a church that was going through our Start Right program had 17 board members, you know, and they had uh, 100 members in their church. Wow. You know, you can't, you're going to have a really hard time getting anything done. Sure. But you need five people that are like-minded, that share a common vision, and that do not care about their preferences coming through. They bring their knowledge to the table, but at the end of the day, even if a decision is made and that they disagree with, they still commit wholeheartedly as though it was their own idea. That to me is a dream board. Yeah, every board that I sit on, I have to make sure that I am in alignment. That's what I'm always asking myself. Am I in alignment with the vision? Am I willing to put in the time to be there for them? You know, am I willing to understand clearly the vision of the pastor and do I bring something to help, That's right. you know, yeah. is a critical position. You, know, you can't be selfish and be on a board. No, you gotta you know? be serving, right? That's and right, you gotta be willing to serve. What, right. what about, uh, a question we get a lot is uh, the balance, they hear the term balanced board. Mm-hmm. And I've heard you talk about before it being more unrelated than related, yeah, and more right. unpaid than paid. That's correct. Speaking to that, why is that so important? Well, that comes straight out of section 4958 of the Internal Revenue Code, specifically Treasury Regulation 53, in which the IRS defines the definition of a family member when it pertains to the board of directors of a church or a nonprofit. And so the IRS defines it and says that in order for your board to be balanced and to be legally set up correctly to meet the requirements of the regulation, 
the majority of the members cannot be related by blood or marriage. Right. So if you have five board members and a husband and wife, such as the pastor and, and, um, and his spouse or the pastor and her spouse are on the board, then the next three board members cannot be related to each other by blood or marriage or to either of the pastors. You can't just add another couple, right? That's right. You can't just add another couple. You got to keep them unrelated by blood or marriage. And then there's another aspect to balancing the board out is that the majority of the members of the board cannot be salaried individuals, not just salaried to be on the board, but salaried in any other aspect of the organization. So if the pastor is on salary at the church and someone else is on salary at the church that's on the board, you cannot have any more salaried individuals serve on the board. The idea is that in order to best serve a public interest, yeah. the majority of the people cannot have an interest in themselves as they serve in the organization. Sure, they're trying to keep the board focused on the ministry, on That's the right. mission, not just what we can do and push That's through right. ourselves. I know you, you know me, right. You're, I'm paid, you know, I pay you, vote right. my way up. That's right, you know, but there's also another side to this that is in the regulation, and that is if I am a salaried individual and we're now working on the budget side of the church and we're going to be setting salaries for all of the other staff members. A salaried board member cannot vote on any other salary at the church. So they have to recuse themselves. So when it comes time to vote, they need to mention yeah. to the board and say, hey, I have to recuse myself from voting on salaries because I myself am a salaried member. And specifically, you know, you can't vote on other people's salary, but especially your own salary. Yeah. You want to be able to show that a public interest is being served and that you don't take part in anything that could benefit yourself. And some people go, well, that doesn't sound fair. You know, it's my church. I started it. And I, I get it. Mm -hmm. I understand that. But it looks amazing in, in, in on paper when you decide to say, I will recuse myself and let other people vote on that. And you're going to be above board and above reproach as well. No one can accuse you of saying, I set my own salary. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I, I encourage pastors, a lot of times they're focusing on growing their church and launching their church, but I, you got to learn to lead your church. Yeah. And when you're inviting board members to be a part of, part of your leadership is educating people. Here's what it means to be on the board. Here's what it, your responsibilities are. Here's what actions may need to happen throughout the year. Like I notice a lot of people, they invite just somebody they respect to the board, but there's it. Well, you just joined the board. There's no sense of here's what's responsible or here's what I'm really expecting from you. I know you've yeah. talked before about an invitation letter. That's right. You know, uh, to that, uh, I see that happen a lot, that they need some sort of education on the front end. Yeah, and I like to show or document evidence that we actually have a process for someone to join the board. So we always begin with an invitation letter and then we wait for a positive response. They say, yes, I accept. Once they accept the invitation, then we actually add it to the minutes of the board meeting to say we're going to vote on whether he, this person will become a board member yeah. or not. And once they, they uh, are voted in, the very first document we give them is the conflict of interest policy. Right. They sign it saying that if at any time while we are running this church and I'm a board member, any topic that we vote on comes up in which there could be a, a conflict or a potential conflict of interest, I will make it known and I will recuse myself. And that is great protection for the board member himself or yeah. herself. And you know, we have to, 
be willing to allow certain restraints. You know, Proverbs says, you know, where there is no restraint, the people will lose vision and they will really just, everyone will go their own way. And yeah. we want certain restraints for our own protection. And it helps you as a pastor. If I'm out there as a, I'm a pastor and I'm inviting people onto the board, I'm assuming that they have a good motive. Yeah. You start putting that conflict of interest out there, you start clarifying, you get people that really do wanna serve the church. Some people wanna get on a board and they wanna, oh, this is my place to exert That's a little right. power, I can start leading this thing. When you start educating on the front end, time commitments, yeah. responsibilities, conflict of interest, some of those sort of things, you kind of weed out people that may not have the best intentions. And you don't know that until you start putting in the boundaries. Right. One of the greatest pleasures I have when I serve on the board is to be able to make decisions, help decisions be made in which I know that I have absolutely no benefit from exactly. myself, but that it builds the kingdom. And I have served on amazing and wonderful organizations that have done great work. And I don't really care to benefit from it, because I know that there's a reward in heaven that waits for me yeah. for my investment in time into helping this church get started or helping a church grow or helping a, 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 a nonprofit meet its mission. Yeah. That to me is very, very satisfying. How long do you like to sit on a board? You know, I've got different thoughts. Uh, typically boards I've sat on with a church, I'm typically spending about three to five years. When I'm with a nonprofit, I was just on a board for a uh, dental organization that started a nonprofit were, and then I stayed on that board for about a year, get them started, move on. Where do you stand on, on yeah, your I, different Yeah, I'm lines? a big fan that one year is not enough. Yeah. You know, I'd say try to serve for at least two years. Yeah. And um, the bylaws of the church will govern when terms expire. Right. And I usually recommend that a term be no less than two years, but three to five years is fantastic. You know, the church that we started in Florida 27 years ago, that's still there today, we have a, one of the elders has been there for 27 years. It's amazing. You know, and every time his term expires, you know, the, it goes back for the vote, for the board to vote. And he is always invited back because I have never met a more unselfish and faithful that's man. Great. And, you know, so. What a gift. You, we say, you know, would you help serve for a couple years? And 27 years later, he's still serving. Yeah. That to me is fantastic. Oh, awesome. Lead your board with confidence with the Minute Suite. The Minute Suite walks you step by step through the creation of board meeting minutes that are perfectly formatted to meet state and federal law. Board meeting minute creation, notification, and storage have never been easier. Use the Minute Suite to create the board meeting minutes you need. Visit www.starchurch.com/products and select the Minute Suite to learn more. So uh, at, people are listening to this right now or watching this and they're thinking, I need to add somebody. Or maybe they've found out about Balanced Board. For, yeah. right here it's like, oh my gosh, it's me and my wife and my, my brother-in-law. Or they're saying, so I need to add some or I might need to remove some, That's you right. know? Uh, talk to us about what the strategies you would put in place. Here's how I go about either adding or releasing a board member. It's a lot easier to add a board member than it is to remove a board member. Especially, <laughs> That's true. Right. especially when you have to remove a board member not because they are resigning or their term is up and they're saying, hey, if you could find someone else, yeah. but they actually want to remain, but yet it's not working. Sure. And it's slightly, maybe they're slightly divisive or very divisive. And it's or really- Or misalignment of vision. Don't you think right. sometimes you get on a board, right. you get all the information on the front end, you get going on, you realize, oh, this is, they're actually going a little different direction that that's I had right. thought in the beginning and I'm, I'm misaligned. Yeah, and that's, that's not easy. You know, because 
your bylaws will dictate how that happens. And it's got to be done according to the bylaws because removing a board member is not a doctrinal issue. Right. It's a legal issue. Right. And, you know, the courts will hear a case in the removal of a board member if it's done in such a way that there's no interpretation of do church doctrine. Right. And usually board uh, courts are very willing to hear cases like this. And so removing a board member has to be according to the bylaw. So that's step number one. But I've discovered removing a board member that doesn't want to be removed, it's much better done through your influence as the senior pastor, yeah. where you have lots of conversations and you encourage the person, you know, in such a way that they themselves realize maybe I should move on. Yeah. But in the absence of your influence working, then you got to follow the steps. And the way it's done, if, you know, in most bylaws that I see is that a procedure is done in which a board meeting is called, in which, of course, minutes are taken. And one of the agenda items is removal of such board member. So there's previous notice ahead of That's time. Right. Yeah, That person gets previous right. notice of the board meeting. They get a chance to attend. And then once they attend, of course, what's the very first thing uh, we do is take roll, and we make sure that everyone has had an opportunity to say, you know, my attendance at this board meeting is legal because I did get due notice, mm -hmm. and then you vote on it. Right. But before you vote, you know, if you're the senior pastor, if you're the chairman of the board, you should already have spoken to all the other board members to make sure you have. Yeah the required number of votes. And we call that the meeting before the meeting, the right? Meeting Making sure I'm pastoring, That's I'm right. leading before the clock That's starts. Right. You don't want to start a meeting not knowing that what the outcome is going to be yeah. in this because it's uncomfortable sure. and it's difficult. And the, the, the goal is not to win. The goal is how can we separate and still value the person yeah. and, and do it according to kingdom principles? Sure. I think this is, you know, you mentioned bylaws there. It's got to be done according to the bylaws. I know so many church planners, they're so busy, pastors so busy, that sometimes they, they never even read their bylaws. Yeah. But it's in these situations where you need to invest the time. Yeah. You know, if, I, if I'm sitting on a board, I want to make sure that the pastor knows the procedural realities That's that right. their bylaws are dictating yeah. so that we as a board, and I think it's important for the board members mm -hmm. to understand how the, where the board is supposed to flow in conjunction with the... Uh, with the bylaws. Well, you know, next to scripture, the bylaws is your next most important right. document. That's you know, the right. Bible is number one, bylaws are number That's two. Right. And I, I do come across a lot of pastors that when I ask them about their bylaws and say, what do they say? And they'll say, I don't know, I haven't read them in so long, or I've, I actually never read them. Yeah. But that's really important because a lot of, a lot of churches are actually doing a lot of things that are contrary to what the bylaws say. And the reason they haven't had trouble is that no one's looked either. Right. But you know, you get some divisive people who are more interested in bringing harm to the church. And all they have to do is look at your bylaws and point out all the inconsistencies. So it's super important that bylaws be followed and understood. But what I've also noticed is that nearly every single lawsuit that occurs in a church is resolved by the court looking at the bylaws. Right, so look at it ahead of time. Get your legal foundation in compliance today with the Get Right program. This program will provide you with a complete step-by-step -step guide to update your governing documents and secure your legal foundation. It's time to protect what God has called you to lead by getting right today. Give us a call at 844-641-5718. 
That's 844-641-5718 to learn more about how we can serve you. So maybe some some calls to action here as as we're finishing this podcast is that one, pastors, look at your bylaws. See how conflict is supposed to be handled, terms of board members, what's their responsibilities. Maybe even give that to your board members, educate them. That's right. If you're gonna add or remove somebody, go through the procedures, Mm -hmm. adding, making sure people understand what they're signing up to, what they're saying yes for. Uh, Talking about balance, look at your board. Maybe some of you right now, you need to take a look at your board and say, is this balanced? Mm -hmm. Do I have this set up correctly? And then, and then begin to lead your board forward this year. Yeah, and it's, and it's also important to realize that a good review of your bylaws would be important because you may not have things in your bylaws that should be in there. Right. You know, there's a lot of things in your bylaws that must be in there. There are a lot of things that should be in there. And a lot of times you'll discover that some of the musts are missing and many of the shoulds are not there as yeah, well. that's right. And that's why, you know, we offer that Get Right program. That's right. It allows churches to review their own bylaws and the whole program walks you through the process of adding the things that you, that are recommended through, through the program that, but you get to choose what you want in there. And at least it's good to know that your bylaws are where they need to be. Want a strong board? Have strong bylaws. That's right. Hey, in our next podcast, let's talk about board meetings, how they flow, and how pastors can be prepared to lead those. Great. Look forward to it. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. If you have any questions about what you've heard today, please give us a call at 844-641-5718 or visit our website at startchurch.com. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Start Church Beyond the Call. Start Church has helped thousands of churches and ministries protect what God has given them to lead. Check out our website at startchurch.com or feel free to call at 844-641-5718. We would be honored to serve you.